Hello, everyone. Crypto traders around the world. Crypto Talk Radio, Basic Cryptonomics is back with another episode. Thankful for you joining us here today. Let's kick this off real quick. Won't take us long. We've got a couple bits and bulbs to get out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. CryptoTalkRadio.net is the site. You can check out all of our various episodes, download, listen. We appreciate if you'd spread the word. The more people that we get listening to our show and our various episodes, the more people we get on board with what we're doing. The greater we can be, the more we can serve you. We appreciate you. We appreciate any word that you can spread as well. And CryptoTalkRadio.net continues to be updated. We are adding content constantly until we are satisfied with the outcome. So keep tuned on that same channel for more and more to come in the future. And we will let you know anytime that we make any changes that are significant, at least, or anything that's new launched. Of course, our Triad membership in the upper right corner, click that, and it'll let you know about the different plans that we have available if you want to support the show. Keep us doing what we're doing. Pass up us a little bit of money. It's not a lot, but you get a lot of value for each of those tiers. Check that out at CryptoTalkRadio.net. Let's go ahead and get into our internal news for today. I got some uh, updates of varying kinds this week I would like to share. And I'll ask your forgiveness up front. Forgive me, but I think it's important that I speak about these. And I'm going to go one by one. I'll get my internal out of the way. Won't take too much because it's there's not a lot there, but I think it's important that you know the endeavor is smooth, reasonably smooth. I have the right people on my side. Uh, good work progress is being made. There's a lot of work yet to be done. And I'm up for the challenge. In my old age, I'd love to have the opportunity to still make a difference. And I believe, I firmly believe that it's going to really be strong for them. Uh, I have to be careful because I'm always wary as I get older about any health concerns that may cause me to not be able to do what I do. And if there's something I specifically confirm, I would want, obviously, you guys to know that. So as I get older, I feel it, age And the moment I know something is certainly not going to go the right way, you'll be the first to know. And I'll leave it at that. With that said, I've got a quick public service announcement, and then we'll get into our news. So if you are in the Satama ecosystem, whether you are from uh, the original back in like October, November, December time as a follower and kept with me, I appreciate you if you did. Or if you're newish to it or from a distance, you've kind of watched it. Whatever the situation you're aware of Satama, you should be aware that the Satama account on Twitter has announced they are going to get rid of Cytomask, which is the original tool that they created. That was an abject failure. I did coverage on it back in January, February, and March and told everybody I was never going to recommend that tool because of all these fundamental issues. With their rebrand and the loss of Max a while back, they have pivoted over to Cytopro. And Cytopro is a completely different tool. So the Cytomask that you know, if you're in it and you use it and you gambled with it, because uh, I recommended people not do it because of the risks of it. But if you're inside a mask, you need there's a call to action for you. I recommend getting to Twitter to get the information what you need from the official account. Unfortunately, I don't think they put it on their website. Summary is that that tool is going to be shut down as of this Friday. What that'll mean is that from the back end, it'll just stop working. You won't be able to connect. Hopefully they do an announcement in the app, but I'm not sure if they will or did. Um, But you'll need to get your seed phrase out of there, your mnemonic, the 12-word phrase. You'll need to export that, download it, write it down, take a picture somehow. I think they disabled screenshots, which I thought was a bad idea for this very reason. Uh, 
So you probably have to write it down. I know some people don't use pen and paper anymore, but would behoove you to get back into the groove of learning to write if you haven't, because you're going to need that phrase. And I would recommend just having it. Have it, keep it somewhere safe, don't misplace it, because this is the kind of thing that can happen. You can then choose to go into Cider Pro. If you still trust them, you would then import that phrase into Cider Pro and you're off to the races. Or you can use that phrase in any other wallet that's out there. Trust Wallet, SafePal. I don't recommend SafePal because their customer service kind of sucks, but it is an option there. Uh, the Binance Wallet, Alpha Wallet, MetaMask. There's tons of wallets out there, so you don't have to necessarily do Cider Pro, but it's up to you. However you do it, you're going to need that 12-word phrase in any of these migrations or moves, or if you lose your device, right, and you need to restore it, you need that 12-word phrase. So go ahead and get that and make sure you back it up on physical form in paper so, or somewhere you can make sure you can get back access to it and then certainly get out of sight of mask sooner rather than later. Let's go ahead and pivot over into our news for today. Fortunately, there's not a lot of news that happened, so this should be reasonably quick. At the top of this, Do Rugpull, a.k.a. Do Kwan, uh, I mentioned on the last episode I did that he has come out and he's finally speaking about what he thinks happened. Of course, he's somewhat in hiding the guy looks terrible, absolutely terrible. He certainly gained weight. He wasn't a thin guy before, but he's he's gained weight. He looks terrible. And I'm going to summarize what he's essentially saying. I think it's a bunch of crap, but, you, you know, you have to make your own decision, especially if you're in the Terra ecosystem. Of course, Terra ecosystem today. There's Luna Classic, and it's hurt right now because of the UST depegging and because of the tie between UST and Luna Classic. Without the peg, Luna Classic struggles. They forked it off into what I call Luna Shiny, which is now Luna, Luna 2.0. And he, as in Do Rugpool, coerced all of the big validators to jump ship over to the new chain as a reaction, and then he went silent. There was a whole bunch of furor about what happened. In summary, what I saw happen is that he made decisions that caused the thing to tank. In this interview, it's called Coinage, coinage.com. He claims that what really happened was there was a plan to do something. So whatever that inside thing was going to be, there was a plan to do a thing to move liquidity and do something with it, which I covered in my episode. And I, I believe this is only YouTube. I talked about the fact that apparently this was a decision that was made to move liquidity for a different purpose and that he, as in Do Rugpo, was directly in front of this. Him acknowledging this says that, yes, there was a plan to do a liquidity withdrawal for a purpose. He doesn't specify what the purpose was. In my coverage, I said that chances are he was, I'll say, tricked, quote-unquote, by BlackRock and Citadel to make a deal with that liquidity, basically to use the liquidity in an attempt to build up some funds by selling this stuff to, so basically selling this at a discount in exchange for this liquidity money, which would be Bitcoin. That was the plan that I saw circulating online and I shared it through my YouTube channel. He says in this coinage interview, yes, there was a plan to withdraw an amount of UST liquidity, but only inside, you know, this TFL, which is the oversight agency for this, which includes him. Only the internal members knew that it was going to be a thing and that somehow messaging got out to somewhere else where they were able to exploit it. I don't buy that in my mind. I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't. So then later they were trying to get Bitcoin and trying to get more money 
to help save this. And a lot of money was, they tried to pump a lot of money, but there's this segment of money that went missing. We saw that happen. However, I'm skeptical that there was a situation where he wasn't aware that this was going to happen or that I'm skeptical that it was a breach of any kind. I believe it was an intentional transaction designed to do a thing. And unfortunately, he didn't understand what was going on. That's my guess on what this is. And it felt like he was deflecting. People speculated that the money was used and ultimately to let whales cash out of Luna. We saw in the blockchain that, yes, there were some large sales happening just prior to this event. So people certainly knew this was happening. Now, whether or not they just had a bot that was that good or they were individually doing it, it doesn't really matter. We have to look at why was the liquidity even touched? Why was there a transaction to mess with the liquidity? And why was it done in such a way that would allow such a thing, even if it was a breach? That's why I'm skeptical of what he says. I believe that he made a decision, a conscious decision, as was stated online, to make a deal, and he needed to get access to a, a pool of this stuff so that he can make the deal. And when he tried to do this, Ultimately, they they pulled what they needed to pull, and it is what it is, and they freaked out. That's my theory. I can't prove any of this stuff. He says that, in hindsight, he should have been more skeptical. Well, skeptical of what? I think it's skeptical overall of the decision he made. He says that, ultimately, it was just growing. It was popular. Everything was good. We were doing great. Everything was awesome. I was so happy about it. I did a bet that it was going to keep succeeding, and then it crapped. I, I, it feels like Chewbacca defense from him. It feels like he's deflecting. I can't say for a fact, if you're in the Terra Luna ecosystem, my theory has always been he made a decision because you got to think of why somebody would touch the liquidity in the first place. I believe he made a decision. He was trying to do something. And unfortunately, the way he was doing it and who he was doing it with was a bad decision. That's on him. Because think of it. If he was all benign, it was just a regular breach. Why would you go running? And he ran. He ran from South Korea. So I'm not buying what he said. Will Luna Classic recover? There's plans from the Terra Rebels to try to work it. It's still a long shot. Manager Hopia. Will New Luna Shiny succeed? It's uncertain because sentiment has been harmed by this guy. And until he faces up to what he did, I don't think that the community is going to support the new Shiny. He has to face what he did. I said the same thing about these garbage car salesmen on all these cryptocurrencies you got to face what you did so that you can restore sentiment or people don't trust you. Same situation with Libero with the guy not showing his face. you got to face the music or you're going to harm sentiment. Ted Cruz, for those who are not in the United States, Ted Cruz is a senator in the state of Texas. Ted Cruz was once a presidential candidate. Ted Cruz, in my mind, has his ups and downs. He comes across as a very slimy individual, certainly during the the talks that he was doing when he was going up against, I forget who he was going against, if he was going against Obama or he was going, I believe he was going against Obama. But the talk, he, he does this thing where he just looks slimy and shady. He doesn't feel trustworthy. He's done some stuff that's good and some other stuff that's not so good. He's recently come out and said, you know, when with the whole energy usage, deep, deep, deep nonsense, right? We talk about, you know, energy usage crackdown. We don't want mining. We don't want da 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 he was at a summit recently that was talking about Bitcoin and how Bitcoin's harming the environment. And he was saying, no, Bitcoin actually is beneficial. And let me explain how this works. And he uses the analogy I've said, quote, if you look at the environment, pollution is directly connected to poverty. The poorer a community is, the more dirty the energy is they produce. This is a factual thing. And the reason for this is that 
the the poorer ones, let's say that it's a multifamily or let's say that it's it has to sustain multiple families and singular buildings. They're going to be using more energy by and large. They're not able to get access to energy efficient appliances. They're not able to get access to energy efficient, you know, managing tools. They may have older refrigerators or older stoves or older appliances that consume more energy. So this is actually a provable statement that yes, if you are super wealthy, the myth is that they're going to consume more energy because they're rich and they don't care. The truth is many of the super wealthy, they're perfectly fine with solar panels. They're perfectly fine with energy con, you know, consumption drops, you know, efficient bulbs and all that kind of stuff. Yes, they use a lot of lighting. Yes, they might use things like, you know, studios and all that, like prints. But ultimately, in terms of the types of energy that's good, energy consumption and energy that's not that's so good, it is true that the impoverished areas are consuming the types of energy we don't want. And we've never been able to optimize them because we don't make it easy to clean up that type of energy consumption. Quote, if you're driving a brand new Tesla, that's great. But if you don't have the money to afford one, that doesn't help, which is correct. And I've said it myself. The government right now just tells you, don't worry about the high gas prices. Just buy yourself an all electric vehicle, right? All electric vehicles are the most expensive vehicles on the road right now because they require, unfortunately, it's just the, the nature of the technology they're dealing with. Because it's not just the electric car, it's also the computer that makes the thing work. The computer technology is more expensive compared to what you might have had in a gas vehicle. Remember, back in the days, you could have bought a Mustang for $19,000. I know because I did, and it was a mistake. And it didn't have much technology. It just had the stereo, and that's about it. It didn't have very much fancy bells and whistles. Now, it's unheard of to get anything close to that. Some beaters are like $20,000. So while the government thinks you could just go buy an electric car, we know that's not reality for the vast majority of society. Quote, what's exciting about Bitcoin also is that a room full of entrepreneurs there. That's a room full of people that are providing for the family and that prosperity is a net positive for the environment as well. So what he's referring to here is that people who support cryptocurrency, people who help mine cryptocurrency and make it available, buys and sells transactions of it, and they profit from this activity are actually contributing to the overall economy. Now, the flaw in his conversation is that he's focused on economic benefit overall, right? The idea that these are solid contributors to society. Unfortunately, the loud vocal minority out there, especially on social media, keeps focusing on energy uses do, 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 and farting cows and all the other garbage declared in the Green New Deal that we don't want certain types of energy because they're bad, 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 right? We don't want coal because it's polluting, even though that's jobs and those jobs pay taxes and the taxes help us manage inflation because we tied income to our tax collection, which pays back on the bills. So he's saying that the more, you know, profitable these outlets are, they're contributing back to the economy. As long as we regulate it correctly, as long as we manage it correctly, it's actually a positive for the environment because we can then incentivize using renewable energy sources to power what they do. In other words, think of it this way. If you have these Bitcoin mining farms and you incentivize, you offer steep discounts and credits and everything else for using renewable forms of energy, not only does it make those forms of energy cheaper to mass produce, but it also increases adoption overall and lowers the barrier of entry, which should be a goal. And I think that's a very important statement to make. Quote, because of the ability of Bitcoin mining to turn on or off instantaneously, if you have a moment where there's a power shortage and a power crisis, 
whether it's a freeze or some other national disaster where power generation capacity goes down, that creates the capacity to instantaneously shift that energy to put it back on the grid. So what he's referring to here is you could theoretically use Bitcoin as kind of a self-supporting energy source. This idea that you could be able to use the Bitcoin mining excess energy, the bleed off energy that happens, the natural energy, the excess energy, use it, create a store for it, and then use it for, you know, power generators or something else, or possibly give it back to the grid. And that helps with the store. Some of this that he's talking about has never even been investigated by any of these entities, but it's a brilliant idea. You have this farming thing that actually is generating excess energy by nature. It's what it does. You take it, you collect it, you store it, you make it available so that when the power goes out from the grid, you can self-sustain your household without additional strain on the grid. Now it doesn't matter if they have to do the rolling brownout nonsense that they do out in California, for for example. You have your own source of some stable energy for the next two hours, three hours, four hours, or Perhaps you generate excess energy, you sell it back to the grid, and then they give you a credit or something else. There's all sorts of opportunities, and that's what he's calling out here. And because you can control that power consumption, it gives you control over everything that needs to happen for this that we're talking about. It's a great lofty idea. It's good that he's talking about it. Unfortunately, many of these companies, all they care about is energy uses do, 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 and don't care about the long-term benefits of what we're talking about of getting creative with how we make these things happen and the financial benefits of doing this. Shiba Swap, if you're in the SHIB ecosystem, as I somewhat am, because I do have a bag, and I actually do have stuff locked in Shiba Swap that I don't care about, Shiba Swap has crashed. Uh, Shiba Swap volume's down. I did a coverage on YouTube a while back, and I talked about how many of these new cryptocurrencies are trying to talk about creating their own exchanges uh, with, you know, Satama and Cyta Pro, et cetera. And I said that it's hard to get anybody on board with these new swaps that get come up, right? So it doesn't matter if it's the Safe Moon or Satama or any of these other ones. It's hard for a swap to become popular because you have to somehow stand out in the crowd. You have to somehow be better than everybody else. Well, we already know that on the Binance Smart Chain, PancakeSwap is where it's at. Nobody likes PancakeSwap, let's be honest. But that's where it's at. That's where the volume is. On Ethereum, it's Uniswap. Uh, Avalanche is what? Trader Joe. Uh, QuickSwap for Polygon and so on. So these just happen to be the best ones. Spooky Swap, which I think is awesome for Phantom. These just happen to be the go-tos. And it's hard for other you know, competitor swaps to deal it. But many of these projects, they depend on something because they need the volume, right? They need the volume. And to date, the only one I know of that's been able to create something that sustains something is Everswap from the Everrise ecosystem. Theirs is pretty awesome because they figured out how to use the native token to be able to do the transactions, which is pretty cool. And the bridge and everything. Well, ShibaSwap has been out there for a while, and it was presented by the devs as the next big thing. It was going to be amazing. It was going to support this Shibarium, you know, metaverse, quote unquote, and it was going to, it was going to change the world. You're going to get all these rewards and all that. None of that came to pass. They tried, and they consistently tried to get benefits and all that stuff, and they've never been able to be fully successful. Well, now the volume has plunged, literally plunged. Some of this is the bear market in general. Some of this is more than just the bear market. Some of this is literally just people are losing interest in the SHIB ecosystem. I mentioned, I believe it was like three months ago, I covered that there was thousands, thousands of investors got out of the SHIB ecosystem, 
And now it's struggling to keep its price point is SHIB. And part of this is because of a loss of volume overall. Part of this is a loss of sentiment in leash. Bone is still out there. I consistently will believe that what we see now with all this stuff is it's, it's a negative sentiment situation overall, that people are simply not trading as much as they used to. I don't think it's anything specific around SHIB itself outside of the failures that they had, but I don't think that's, I think if you had to put it in percentages, the failures are probably about 30% of the problem. I think the other 70% is simply that people are not trading right now. They're either nervous or they're just pissed off. One of the two, take your pick. And we see in other swaps like Curve, for example, uh, Balancer's another one, where they're also seeing some declines. Certainly not as much as Shiba Swap, but they're down. And I simply believe that it's a sentiment problem right now. I believe that even if we did go on a full-on bull run, which I'm going to get to here momentarily, I don't think it would help. I think at this point, unless if you had the same FOMO reaction like 2021, which I don't think we'll see in the short term, I think people are going to still be skeptical. And time will tell. We'll have to wait and see exactly what we're, what we're doing here and what we go with. Cardano. In past episodes, I've talked about how bullish I am on Cardano. I remain bullish on Cardano. Can I explain to you why? It just feels like one of those unsung heroes, breakout potential tokens. I've always felt that way. And it seems to be doing things, even though it apparently has an idiot for a leader. It appears to be well-built, but it's simply held back by, again, poor leadership. A recent study did an analysis on general energy consumption, going back to what I was talking about with Bitcoin. And it turns out Cardano in energy consumption, just energy consumption alone, was actually more energy efficient than PayPal. So just to put it in perspective, PayPal is probably the largest payment, digital payment provider out there. Netflix, which is probably the largest in you know digital media, and YouTube, which is arguably the largest in video streaming. Cardano beat all of them in annual energy efficiency. That's huge. And you got to think about what that means. It means two things. It talks about how proof of stake is truly more efficient over proof of work. But more importantly, the way that they're doing it is more efficient than even other proof of stake deals. Now, here's the catch, though. Part of the problem with why this is kind of imperfect is that Cardano doesn't have nearly the same volume as other proof-of-stake blockchains. So part of it is, yes, that it's proof-of-stake, but part of it's simply that they don't have the same volume. They're not anywhere close to the level of use as some of the other ones. And so that we need to take that into consideration. I'm not suggesting that it's not what it is, but we just need to be careful when we say Cardano's this amazing thing, because right now it's not, but it has potential. That's the key. It has potential to possibly solve the current complaints of the government being energy efficient, and as it grows, we need to keep an eye on it because it could then be that breakout star where it's left alone because it doesn't use the same energy consumption as its peers in uh, cryptocurrency. And then, of course, let me go back to pricing. So I talked about the bull. Now, we see that there's a little bit. We had some red. It dipped in red, and then we had a little bit of recovery. We didn't have full recovery, but we are back in the red. People seem to think that Ethereum is on target to head towards 2000. I'm skeptical of that number, and I'll tell you why. I believe that of the ones that we have now, all the different tokens, I still maintain, I think the core tokens are the best bet for anybody who wants to invest. 
I would stick with the core tokens. I can't tell you specific ones, but it seems like almost to a T, everything except for BNB is somewhat coming back up, largely backed by Ethereum. The reason I, I'm skeptical on the Ethereum hitting 2000 is because I believe that the Ethereum climbs are largely based on by the rumors sell the news. The merge is scheduled to come up here soon in September, and I believe people are banking off that and they're kind of stockpiling now, which is causing a little bit of buy pressure. But if anything goes wrong, anything at all, I think you're going to see mass sell-offs again. I also think if there's some weird announcement coming from the government or something else, it could harm investor sentiment. Let's hope not, <laughs> but it could very well happen. I'm not trying to naysay you or tinfoil you or anything. I'm just saying, I think that the green that we see right now is good, but I think it's tentative green. I think it's people just tipping in, touching the waters a little bit, they're just seeing what's out there, testing different resistance, seeing what's going to go, what's going to crap. At that same point, though, I'll repeat, and I know it sounds like a broker record. I apologize, but I think it's important. If you had bought Ethereum when it based out at $980, you're still up. Even now, if you didn't sell, if you sold, you made profit, right? And you could have sat on it in stablecoin and waited for it to go back down. Or if you held on to it, you're still at profit in unrealized gain because the, the core tokens can't steer you wrong. They just can't right now. So if you're going to buy into projects, I would recommend, and it's only a recommendation, treat it as one of two things. I said this before. This is either an opportunity to buy more gas tokens that you might need at a fraction of the price. So we're not just talking Ethereum. We're talking Avalanche, AVAX, Matic for Polygon, Phantom for Phantom Opera, whatever. Whatever gas token, you're buying them at a discount and you just sit on it so you have it available. That's option one. You choose to do that. Option two is you do it for profits, right? So if you bought in and let's say you buy, I don't know, Ripple XRP, and right now it's trading at about 35 cents and you wait for it to double. So if you tossed in a thousand dollars, you made an extra thousand dollars. Maybe that's your strategy. I'm saying choose a strategy. Either you're going to go after meme garbage and that's cool if that's your strategy, or you take recommendation, go on core tokens because you want gas available and you're buying at a discount and that's it. Or you would buy and trade whichever token, just sell for profits. If you're going to do the whole day trading, buy and sell for profits, remember, it, the gas tokens don't have those taxes applied to them. The mean tokens almost always do. So one thing to think about is if you're trying to just simply make a quick profit off something that has a temporary green candle, if it has a, ga if it has a, a tax, rather, consider whether that washes any profits that you might make or limits how much profits you could make which is why I'm going to maintain my recommendation to stick with the core tokens either way because they cannot steer you wrong. You are absolutely free to take whatever you want to choose to do. Just be careful. Those taxes will get you right now on the meme side if you're trying to do the day trading on those. So I think we're in a good spot going forward and you'll your position to be able to make the decision whichever way you want to go. Just be careful, right? Don't YOLO into anything. Be smart about it. Make sure it makes sense for you. Don't just YOLO into any and everything because you're just setting yourself up for failure. And I wouldn't want to see anybody crash and burn off what they got going on. I want you to be safe and make a little money if you can, but don't YOLO into stuff. Don't throw your money into stuff. Be careful with it. And if it makes sense for you not to trade at all, be okay with that. Don't feel bad if you just say, I can't deal with this right now. Don't feel bad about that. Spend time with your family. Have fun. We don't let it stress you out. Don't let it occupy you. Don't let it dominate you. I absolutely would want you to feel as though you are able to do what you need to do 
for the reasons you need to do it, whatever that means uh, in the long term. And final note before I wrap up here, if you have listened to me for any period of time, you'll have repeatedly heard me say on multiple occasions, don't YOLO, don't FOMO, and take for profits. And the reason I have that credo is because I've learned when you FOMO into things, you're almost setting yourself up for failure, especially if they have taxes applied. When you YOLO into things, you're setting yourself up for risk. And if you don't take for profits, not only might be like a rug pull or a pump and dump or honeypot or whatever, but also it might not gain as much as you thought, right? You might go up a little bit and then crap out like open stream world. It did a poor pre-sale and so it's never recovered. Well, people might feel like that that was the right call for them at the time, but now they're stuck with a worthless asset. I don't want that to happen to anybody listening to my show. So I will continue that mantra as well. Please don't YOLO into projects. Please don't foam off green candles. Take for profits where it makes sense. All that said, it's your decision, your money. Do what makes sense for you. But no matter what, please don't take care of your family first. Family first and don't get hung on this because it's really easy to get tempted into something and I wouldn't want you to get stuck in something that's not going to benefit your family. That'll do it for today's Crypto Talk Radio episode. I want to thank you for listening today. We know you've got choices. CryptoTalkRadio.net, if you would, we would appreciate. At the very top, we have a contact form. Fill that out. Let us know what your thoughts are. If we're doing great or something you don't like, we always love to hear from our listeners. If you don't mind spreading the word, we would also appreciate that. If you think other people would benefit from the type of coverage that we do, we work hard to try to be different than every other type of podcaster or YouTuber that's out there. So hopefully we're on track with that. Finally, our YouTube channel, of course, is at Basic Cryptonomics. If you want to find us on there, those are dedicated, specific, exclusive types of episodes. So you'll hear things there that you won't hear on the podcast and vice versa. Check us out there for more quick and dirty coverages. Until next time, take care.